This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? Michael say anything to you? I mean, did he say anything specific about home? And remember, children lie. <laughs> Ray, you know, we do have counselors. No, no, that's the last thing that we need. You have no idea what I have to put up with. <laughs> when I got married, I didn't just get a husband. I got a whole freak show that set up their tent right across the street. <laughs> and that, that would be fine if they stayed there. But every day, they dump a truckload of their insane family dreck into my lap. How would you like to sit through two people in their 60s fighting over who invented the lawn? The lawn! And then the brother. I live in an apartment. I don't even have a lawn. Raymond has a lawn. But you can't blame him when you see who the mother is. She has this kind of sick hold on the both of them. And the father's about as disgusting a creature as God has ever dropped on this planet. So no wonder the kid writes stories. I should be writing stories. My life is a gothic novel. And until you have lived in that house with all of them in there with you day after day, week after week, year after friggin' year, you are in no position to judge me. BFM 89.9. It is 7.39 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. And our supercut tonight is all about ageing. That's right. It's all about decrepitude and death and the slow, relentless march of time. Um, because today we are talking about things that have aged uh, both well and both really not well. And, hmm. and we're trying to get examples of both. We'd like to hear from you. Um, what is something, whether it's a movie or a show, that you think has aged either better than you expected or much, much worse than you expected. Uh, that number to send a voice note or WhatsApp is 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So we're doing this um, this week partly because earlier you guys threw back to American Pie um, on Tuesday, but also because honestly, there there is no shortage of things to look around to and go, huh, I used to love that. I don't, I don't remember why. <laughs> Yeah, at what point is this also an acknowledgement of our decrepitude and slow march towards... Right away. (laughs) Because, I mean, seriously, um, I used to find Everybody Loves Raymond incredibly funny. Um, I I, I used to enjoy it. It's okay, look, Ray Romano is a great comedian. He's still very funny. Um, But the plot of Everybody Loves Raymond has not aged well because... um, I remember revisiting a couple of scenes recently. Um, someone was sharing it on. And, and if it were, as his wife says in that clip, a gothic drama where everyone was talking about how horrible family dynamics can get when people don't treat each other fairly, sure. But this is meant to be a lighthearted comedy. And when I look back, I'm like, actually, none of this is funny anymore. It's actually just people treating the women in their lives quite badly. Um, and... Adults not learning to be kind to each other. 
Actually, that's the case for a lot of sitcoms from around that time, right? Um, especially some that came out even in the mid '90s, I think. Um, lots of Kevin James comedies. Oh yes. Also, as oh well, yeah. Which coincidentally is a spin-off of Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> um, so I think, like, I, I'm not going to lie. I think the sitcom is still funny if you watch it completely out of context. If you watch it as this bubble world where everybody is doing exactly what they are meant to do or playing to stereotypes or archetypes or tropes. Right, so it, the the comedy still works on that very 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 simple surface level. Other than that, it's kind of it's weird lah that one character is like such a mindless drone sort of a person who's meant to be this person who and I'm talking about Deborah. So she she she's only there to nag and be the quote unquote yes. wife to Raymond. And then you have the parents who have no consideration for anyone else. And then you have Raymond who's like a, he, he's a he's a He's a moron. I mean, there's, there's no other way to to put it, right? Like he has no comprehension of any any implication of what's happening. So if you watch it like that, like if you analyze the show, then it's it's it hasn't aged well at all, love. So you know what's funny is that um, somebody feed Phil is very very popular, and Phil yeah. Rosenthal, of course, is the is he co-creator co-creator, right? Mm-hmm. I think of of Everybody Loves Raymond, mm-hmm. and um and it's funny because his wife, who is of course Raymond's sis- eventual sister-in-law, um. They have a really, really cute married couple dynamic on Somebody Feed Phil. She's there a lot. Um, He's very, very sweet about her. But because it features so much of Phil's family. So in other words, you get to see husband and wife interact. And when his parents were alive, you got to see them interact as well. And then Everybody Loves Raymond is like some bizarro mirror world of like what that is. It's like a really kind of strange and... um, unpleasant version of what the real life dynamic is and it's curious because it's the bubble world comment i just wonder how we're supposed i i'll say that i never loved everybody loves raymond Hmm. um and it's partly because um i could not love raymond (laughs) frankly like (laughs) i just couldn't get there um and because of that i always had a lot of sympathy for deborah um and because of that i'm not surprised that it aged poorly Actually, there are particular things about it. It's weird. The comparison to Somebody Feeds Feed Phil um, is, I think, a really interesting one because, like, if you just drew out the highlights of the plot points, they are not dissimilar at all, right? Um, But I think the problem is that when you revisit Raymond now, the things that they do in the family, it could still be funny if there was some acknowledgement that this is not actually okay. The problem is that something about the way the lines are written, the parents' interactions are really painful actually because on the one hand, you could say, oh, okay, there were couples or there are couples of a certain generation where the roles are pretty set and this is how they might interact with each other. But while that's played for laughs, there's never a sort of a contention with, but maybe that's not okay. Um, and maybe mm. that's the problem. So the argument to something like this is always like, don't overthink the show, right? So it's, And those were different times. And those were, one, those were different times. Don't overthink the show. It's just a sitcom, just a comedy. So, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, there's nothing more to it. But I think the what we're trying to say is that there's no way to watch a show that used to be considered good many, many, many years later because of those issues. And that's the point, right? So a lot of people still watch a lot of sitcoms and comedies as though they are good today. 
And it can be subjectively good. I think that's completely okay if you enjoy a show by yourself. But then there's also like the objective thing about it. Some things have just objectively aged badly. Um, Jim Carrey movies, some Jim Carrey movies. Like I love, love, love Jim Carrey. Mm. Ace Ventura is not a movie that aged well. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in there that's just not even politically incorrect, just incorrect. Yeah, same so, thing. So you know what's interesting about sitcoms is that the whole point of it, situational comedy, right? That That's how you would separate that phrase. And, mm. and the point of it is that in some ways, the situation gets normalized because the whole idea is it's about marriage or it's about work. And so there's something about the repetitive nature of it, I think, that both allows uh, lots of potential and creativity to flourish, um, a lot of com- comedy, but it also means that that's how you get the mindless drone thing because you see yeah. her do it episode after episode after episode, night after night. Um, while we're on the subject of sitcoms, though, I am very curious So we all love community, right? We've established this. Mm -hmm. If you watch community now on Netflix, um, as I've done recently, there are episodes missing. Were you guys aware of this? Well, Mm. I wouldn't know, right? Because I came late to community. No, no, this is an early episode. Oh. It's, it's, an, it's, a, it's an episode from an early season. It is a very famous episode. Um, and it is... I'm trying to remember what the name of it is because, you know, they're all titled like um, like like units in a college. Yeah. But um, it's the Dungeons & Dragons episode. Did you guys know it's gone? No, I didn't know that. Oh, I, no, I remember reading something about this, like some controversy because of... Um, who did they cast in a certain role that uh, was racist? So it's a combination of that, um, but also that the character of Chang was seen as a dark elf and that that was argued as uh, being in blackface. And so as a result of the controversy, they straight up took the episode away. I wondered about it because they reference it in a later episode and I'm like, hey, I've been binging this. Did I miss that? And then I had to go Google it and find out that um, on the streamers, at least, like you can't find that episode anymore. And it's a classic community episode. And I think it's an extreme example of what we're talking about today, of something um, not even that long ago, supposedly aging so badly, I I disagree, but supposedly aging so badly um, under very specific terms in such a way that they felt it was offensive enough to remove. See, I don't even, I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. I, I, I might say I disagree with a whole bunch of things on Raymond. I wouldn't say that it shouldn't exist somewhere for people to watch. I think there are episodes of Friends, a show that I love, that sometimes I rewatch now and I'm like, oh, oh, that didn't age great. Uh, some of the jokes between the whole like homophobic jokes about Joey and Chandler, they're funny because they are funny. But the jokes themselves are not funny, you know? Um, And that's fine. It's fine to acknowledge that something doesn't work anymore. But I think the line shouldn't be that we get rid of it and pretend it never happened. Yeah, the the same thing happened on It's uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, They remake, quote-unquote, Lethal Weapon. Um, and one of the white guys sure. is, 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 in, is in blackface. <laughs> um, and it's it's one of their biggest, most famous episodes. Very, very funny. Um, and it's completely missing. You can't find it anywhere. Uh, and as somebody who's never watched the sitcom now, I'll never get to watch it. Never get to watch it. Yeah, mm. it's so strange. Um, anyway, we're talking today about things that have aged either badly or well. We're starting with badly because, frankly, there are more examples of that. Um, but let us know 
Um, what is something that you've watched that you are now, you know, maybe you've rewatched it recently and you realize, oh, it's aged either very badly or very well. Uh, that number to WhatsApp or send us a voice note is 018-789-8899. You can tweet us at BFM Radio. Up next, uh, we've got a clip of something that really requires no explanation. It has Kevin Spacey. It's a very famous movie. It's one of his best. I think it's an excellent film. Um, but for multiple reasons and storylines, it just has not aged that well. Here's a bit of American Beauty. Janie! I really enjoyed that. Congratulations, honey. You were great. I didn't win anything. Hi, I'm Lester, Janie's dad. Oh, hi. This is my friend, Angela Hayes. Okay. Good to meet you. You were also good tonight. Very precise. Thanks. Yeah, nice to meet you, Angela. Honey. Oh, I am so proud of you. You know, I watched you very closely. You didn't grow up once. Okay, uh, we have to go. So what are your girls doing now? Dad, we're going out for pizza. Oh, really? Do you need a ride? We can give you a ride. I have a car. You want to come with us? Thanks, but I have a car. Well, you have a car. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. Because Janie's thinking about getting a car, too, soon, aren't you? Honey? Dad, Mom's waiting for you. Well, it was very nice meeting you, Angela. Any friend of Janie's is a friend of mine. Well, I'll be seeing you around then. Could he be any more pathetic? I think it's sweet. And I think he and your mother have not had sex in a long time. Brainy, fancy material. BFM 89.9. I really do understand how hard it's got to be to leave your child with another person. I mean, it's like leaving behind a piece of your heart. Sandy, that's exactly what it is. Are you gay? Ross! I'm sorry. That's our Ross. It's just Mr. Shoots straight from the hip. It's okay. I get that a lot doing what I do. But I am straight. I'm engaged, actually. Her name's Delia. Oh, that's pretty. Dear, so you're just like a, a guy who's a nanny. <laughs> I realize how it's a bit unorthodox for some people, but I really believe the most satisfying thing you can do with your life is take care of a child. Okay. <laughs> BFM 89.9, it is 7.52 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmilan Arvin and together we're talking about things that have aged, either well or badly and asking you for some examples. Um, what is a film or a show that you think has aged either very badly or very well? We're looking for examples of both. Um, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. All right, so let's talk about Friends. Because um, because I think, okay, I don't have to explain its popularity, but I think partly because of the pandemic and how deeply 
comfort seeking we all were during that time, um, Friends saw such a big resurgence, right? Along with um, other sitcoms like The Office, people were just rewatching it over and over again as they came on streamers. And because of that, in part, the I mean, the critical reassessment of Friends has been going on for years now, but I feel like it's picked up a lot recently. I feel like the if you if you aggregate it, which TV show has the most twenty things that have aged poorly, hundred things that are cringe about Friends? Now it's it's the it's Friends. There are so many lists that do this about Friends. Um, and as I said, look, I am biased. I love the show deeply. Doesn't mean I can't recognize the things that don't work anymore in today's world. But that scene that we just played is interesting, right? Because. I would argue that's not one of the scenes that have aged badly because in the end, the person who seems the most like a dummy in that scene is actually Ross, the one who's making the sexist statements, right? So there's some things about the show that do these sort of complicated things that sometimes I feel like, are we too quick to judge what the show is trying to do? But then on the other hand, there are other things that I do understand haven't aged well at all. I think this is the the same conversation we had a while ago about punching up and punching down, right? So mm-hmm. if the the characters on the show um, are ignorant or they're making fun of themselves, then it's a different story. Then the comedy is like it's against them and like mm. they don't know what's happening and, and they don't have a, a, you know, they have a different worldview. But I think if the joke itself, like the butt of the joke itself is something that's that has aged, then it's a problem on the show. And How I Met Your Mother actually has a lot of those. Okay, so Mm. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm just going to say that um, in looking for clips of friends, one of the things I struggled with was that a lot of the stuff that is more... Okay, firstly, Fat Monica can't be clipped, um, you know, because Uh, you can't see her. Um, Although she's probably one of the the most problematic parts um, and the ones that I think we can broadly agree is a problem. But then I was thinking in the Malaysian context, unfortunately, how many people consider other problematic parts of Friends as an actual problem. Um, in other words, the homophobic stuff, the transphobic stuff. Right. Um, I, I just wasn't sure <laughs> whether we collectively, sadly, um, would agree that that's problematic because I imagine that some people, and in fact, like that clip, um, Friends is sometimes a reflection of how little we've moved on, you know, I think. I, I do think that there are people who would listen to that clip or um, remember Ross really needing his son to play with a truck and not a doll Mm. and not necessarily think that there's anything wrong with that. No, that's true, right? Um, Actually, Fat Monica is probably one of the scenes that I can't rewatch now without feeling cringy. Um, Even though, you know, the one where they do the flashback and, you know, she and Chandler fall in love again is actually quite sweet. But just the visual gag of her is actually a lot and I can't deal with it. Um, But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. A lot of the other show, it doesn't feel like it's right, but it also feels like we're not actually that much further ahead of the show. Actually, why is Ross always the one who's making these jokes? Because his reactions are great. Did you hear him in that one? But it's also weird, (laughs) That he's the one, because he's not like, I mean, he's not the typical None of the guys are alphas, though, is the thing. Mm. uh, Joey would be the closest. Yes, but then he's such a teddy bear. Right. Uh, yeah. The only the only problematic thing Joey does is actually the the weird talking about women thing. But even that tones down by the later parts of the show. Sure, and and is nothing compared to like a Barney Stinson. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to talk about Barney Stinson. Yes. I don't 
But we shall. Because the, the thing is, I know Barney is beloved. I get it. Um, and I think he's beloved partly because Neil Patrick Harris is such a talented uh, comedic performer. And Barney allows him to do so many different things, right? He gets to like do the physical stuff. He gets to do the, the fast talking stuff. He gets to do the singing and dancing stuff. But Barney is... And they make fun of this, but they shouldn't. Like, Barney is a psychopath. Mm. Barney is actually a really terrible character. Rewatching it um, and the ability to binge the show really shows that up. Do you think our the reason we kind of can't stand Barney is exacerbated by the fact that he's actually looked up to in many circles? Like, the show doesn't look up to him as much as, like, real people in certain parts of life feel like he's someone to emulate. And I think that's what's made it more difficult for Barney to be as funny as he was when the show first came out. Because people made him out to be more than a sitcom character. Yeah, (laughs) and and made him out to be, like, hey, actually, like, he's spouting hard truths. Like a guru. Yeah, he became Which a guru. No. Like his graphs were like you know life mind maps or something. You're supposed to view him as a cartoon character who has no <laughs> idea what he's doing, but has he is funny. I'll say that if you watch again, if you watch Barney Stinson out of context, if you watch clips, if you see the body language, the humor, all the facial expressions, the comedy, right? He's a funny character, but none of what he says is even remotely okay. The guy, I mean, that guy aged the moment this show started. Like, you know, even back then when it was on, he wasn't a he wasn't an okay character. I I think we need to talk about um, after this being a product of your time, but it we don't have time uh, before we get to the news. So let us know. Um, we're talking today about things that have aged either very well or very poorly. And we want to know examples from you. Um, what have you watched that you think has aged either very well or very, very badly? That number to WhatsApp 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. will not take her from me! Your anger and your lust for power have already done that. You have allowed this dark lord to twist your mind until now, until now you have become the very thing you swore to destroy. Don't lecture me, Obi-Wan. I see through the lies of the Jedi. I do not fear the dark side as you do. I have brought peace, freedom, justice, and security to my new empire. Your new empire? Don't make me kill you. Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy! If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. You will try. Did you hear that? That little ha <laughs> in the back <laughs> and attempt to deal a Someone's death Someone's leaping off over lava or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, sorry, BFM 89.9. Uh, it is 8.09 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. And today we are talking about aging. Uh, not us. Not even you. Uh, But we are speaking about films and shows, um, especially ones that have been around a while, and asking you whether you can think of an example of either a film or a movie or a show that has aged very well 
or very poorly. Um, send us your examples. WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. That was, of course, the uh, recognisable sounds of the greatly vilified Star Wars prequel trilogy. And Arvin, our resident Star Wars defender. Mm-hmm. Fanatic. Fanatic. Mm-hmm. Um, fought incredibly hard. Almost as hard as the two, you know... Either Anakin or yeah, Obi-Wan. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, to include it in today's list. Ivan, you want to explain? Yeah. Um, how long do we have? I mean, just take <laughs> as long as the three yeah. movies. Like a whole hour. <laughs> um, no, so, so uh, the prequel saga, of course, was hated when it came out. Uh, people didn't like Hayden Christensen. People didn't like... Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd. They didn't like the the, the depictions of any of the older characters, right? Or Jaja Binks. Some or newer Jaja characters Binks. was a problem. Or yes. Jaja Binks. <laughs> um, I, over time, those movies have aged extremely well. Um, they have become... To who? To, <laughs> to how many to, people? I want to say to core... Not not caught to any Star Wars fan. Okay. Um, in in a way that I, I think because of the the adjacent shows and and cartoons and TV shows and series and stuff, people have grown to love those characters. People have grown up with those characters, and now the prequels are considered better movies than the sequel saga. So a lot of people come on saying that episodes one, two, and especially three, Revenge of the Sith, are genuinely good Star Wars movies compared to the new Ray trilogy that just recently came out. I don't agree. I, I like some parts of the pre, uh, the sequel saga. I like parts of all Star Wars. But the way people have sort of embraced Hayden Christensen's Anakin again and Obi-Wan's... Uh, uh, what's it? Ewan McGregor's <laughs> Obi-Wan again. Um, it just Obi-Wan's makes, Ewan McGregor. Obi-Wan's <laughs> Ewan McGregor. Uh, it's, it's just... It's nice to see. La. It's nice to see. And, and those movies have, have picked up a lot of love along the way in the last 20, 20-something years. I really... I am a Star Wars fan. I, I mm. consider myself a fan, perhaps not a fanatic. Mm-hmm. Also, I will say Revenge of the Sith is great. I love that movie. Um, I love that scene. Um, that has not aged at all in the sense that it's still incredible to watch. However, I can never again watch Jake Lloyd without wanting to like throw something. It's not his fault. He was a child. He didn't ask to be put <laughs> in that position. But it's such a... if. It, I agree that actually there's a lot in the first film that's great. Like the politics of it. Like Andor is like sort of a perfected version of what we see in the... In, what's it called? My God. What's the first one called? Phantom Menace? Phantom Menace. Thank yeah. you. Yes. It's a, it's sort of a polished version of what Phantom Menace was trying to do, right? The political t- tussling and all that. But the moment you go to like kid, I'm like, oh my God, this is Darth Vader. I cannot. Um and you're right that now you feel a little kindly towards especially Hayden Christensen uh, because he was so good in the Obi-Wan show. Uh, but the he's become memed. La. I cannot watch yeah. that scene with him and Amidala in the in the field of um, you know colourful flowers without thinking of the meme. The one where he doesn't like sand? The one where he doesn't like sand. And yes, I, I really cannot. Okay, so I... I think now is the time maybe to acknowledge the question of um, why things age badly or otherwise. So let's start with Star Wars, right? And, and examine this a bit more. So does this mean that the movies were never bad? Or 
does it mean that expectations and feelings having, having cooled um, allow us all to assess it properly? I will say that I have not rewatched um, because of the, the the rolling in the flowers and the the not liking <laughs> sand and the just just all of it. Um, I what I remember of Revenge of the Sith was that yes, I did get carried away with the high drama and the all of it, the yelling, the yelling, all the yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not rewatched one and two. Simply because I remember feeling not warm, kind of bored at the time. But anyway, why have things done well or badly? I think this is the question. Like, what is it? I think nostalgia actually does play a part in this, right? Like, um, of course, aging badly because something is sort of not acceptable anymore. Our values have changed. That happens too. And then in the case of like Kevin Spacey just now or... or, um, Uh, My God, I was going to say Wes Anderson, but I meant Woody Allen. Um, You know, the way people collectively feel about them change. And then it's not like the quality of their movies have changed, but people just don't feel like they want to watch them anymore. Um, But in something like Star Wars, I I really think nostalgia changes stuff. Like when it came out, people were excited. They wanted something particular. It didn't happen. And then you're right. Maybe some of that hate cooled off and then people were like, hey, you know what? Despite all that, it's kind of cool to still have something like this. So I think it's exactly that. Um, I think the prequel trilogy had a lot of baggage when they were coming out. And I mean, Star Wars fans are famously toxic. There's no hiding that, right? It's a famously toxic fan base. Um, I think they put too much pressure on the movies. They wanted the movies to be something very specific to them and catered to to what they wanted them to be. Um, And over time, people like myself, who grew up with the prequel trilogy as their Star Wars... Um, just grew to like it. It's not It's not perfect. The CGI is janky and weird, and even for the time, it wasn't good. Um, some characters don't work, some storylines don't work, the performances are bad, but there's just something, like you said, like nostalgia, uh, there, there are just things in those movies that work. I mean, we the best lightsaber fights, for one. Like, no, oh, yeah, the, and Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn. And Darth Maul. Darth Maul, best lightsaber fights of any of the Star Wars movies. So we're cool with the leaping Yoda. No, no. Like a, it, <laughs> no. It, it, so this no. is the problem, right? With that, with that movie, yeah. it's like because for every Darth Maul, there is also a weightless sort of star-shaped Blob. thing that's like <laughs> and and de-wrinkled, like weirdly de-wrinkled Yoda, which yeah. I cannot deal with. De-aged, yeah. yeah. Even back then, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that. Um, okay, before we get to some of the messages that are coming in, I think. Um, I just wanted to return to the point about Barney Stinson because I remember the last time we spoke about how I met your mother on a supercut. We got a message saying that you can't judge a show by today's standards. You have to kind of look at everything um, through the lens of its own time. And Barney, I think, was always, um, yeah, funny, sure, but I think we all knew that there was something a bit wrong with him. The the more nuanced stuff that has come out over the years has actually been about Ted and whether or not Ted is is a good character, like whether Ted is the quintessential nice guy that, that the show wants us to believe he is. And by I, I want to say that by 2023 dating standards, Ted is not supreme. Like, Ted is not really the best example of that. Um, And I think that can be a little bit harder for people to swallow. 
Yeah, I think so, right? It's also like like uh, Johnny Galecki's character in Big Bang Theory uh, that they was actually they were actually supposed to be the the nice guys in the show, and actually they're really not. The way they behave in relationships or um, is all the stuff that uh, that now the internet will tell you are red flags. So that's the the problem with Ted in a nutshell, right? Like he thinks he's the nice guy. Um, as opposed to like Seinfeld, I think has aged well because Seinfeld knows exactly who he is. Yes, he like, was. You're never meant to think he's a great example. No, and and he knows he's not a great example. And mm. the show is about nothing. Yes, yeah. Like famously, right? Because the show is about nothing, it can never age. Yeah. Nothing will always <laughs> exist. You can always, you know, just be a bunch of people, like an un- a bunch of unlikable people, hanging out in an apartment. That will always be relatable. Yeah, exactly. Or a diner. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, Okay, we have some messages that have come in. Um, I'm going to do some of the bad ones first. JD says, Austin Powers in Goldmember. Oh, Mm. actually, Mm. any of the Austin Powers, I would reckon. Like, I think they're still funny. I don't think that a fresh audience today would think they're funny, though. So unfunny, why? Because it's it's just incorrect? Like the humour is I think outdated. so. The humour is outdated, but also some of it is just not acceptable, right? Like um, mm. some of the body shaming and all of that stuff. Even I think some of the, 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 the gender stuff. So like very Ace Ventura. Mm. Mm. I think it might be that. But mm. JD also says, Greece, bad. Can't believe they still use that for school plays. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> I can see you mean some a things. girl transforming herself completely to be with the guy that she wants to be with? What's wrong with that? Compromising her lung health. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah, like needlessly. I, I think, okay, Greece is one of those, right, that I have such a soft spot for in the same, same. way of friends. Because mm. like those songs are such a big part of my childhood. But I cannot argue that Greece has aged well, similar to its already 40-year-old actors. Like, it has not aged all that well. So I watch Greece now. I realise the way I watch some, like, older Tamil movies. Um, and my sister and I sort of make a meal out of this. Basically, we watch them, we enjoy them, but we also yell at them and go like, who does that? Why are you behaving this way? I feel like Greece has now firmly fallen into that category and that's fine. I can still enjoy it, enjoy the songs, but still go like, stop it, stop it. Nobody talks this way. That's also most, or not most, some rom-coms, right? Mm, some yes. big rom-coms. Yeah. The whole, um, the pursuit, quote unquote. <laughs> I, you know? You could argue that how how to lose a guy in 10 days is yeah. really just mutual gaslighting. Oh yeah. Like that's the whole thing. Um I just rewatched that movie like 3 weeks ago. And it's oh my gosh. So, it's so much gaslighting. It's it's quite incredible, right? Yeah. Wait, is that Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey yeah, or am yes. I imagining? Okay. Yes, that's Frost right. yourself? Is that the one? Frost yourself? The um, one where she like has a diamond necklace or something and yes, yes, they yes, come up with this amazing one. ad campaign. Yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed that that's the one that's the one, and thing, the one you took thing away. I remember. <laughs> yes. Frost yourself. It's such a bad line. Um, Artemis says so I saw the Jeffersons on TV again recently I loved it when I was a kid but at a superficial superficial level because I was a kid seeing it again it's still really good to me I identify with that um a few years ago, I started re-watching like a few episodes of like Saved by the Bell and like it feels so hokey and old-fashioned. But because I remember enjoying it as a teenager, re-watching it made me feel happy. 
So I think we are super forgiving to hokiness, right? Like you watch something from the mid 90s and it bits like weird and janky and you can tell that the, the like the set pieces are so obviously cardboard or mm. whatever. I don't think we care about those things. I don't think that ages a movie other than looking like visually aged, I think. Yeah, so Yes, I agree with that. I think as long as the emotional core of the stuff still works, as long as there's still stuff in there that's relatable, it's going to function, right? Mm. Or at least that's how I think of it, particularly with shows. Oh, with shows, yes. But you know, I have heard people say, um, and I find this sacrilegious, of course, that they don't quite like the original Star Wars trilogy because the things don't, the things they do don't look real because they've seen what a lightsaber fight looks like in the more polished later versions. Um, actually, that the the visuals in the first sequel, uh, first set doesn't work. I don't think so, but I think I think it's entirely dependent on what you want out of these movies. It's not just that, right? I I think that the old Star Wars are slow. They're slow. Ah, yes. Yeah. They think it's slow. Um, they think that the tech, uh, the the CGI of CGI, the uh, tech doesn't hold up very well. So yeah, I, I think tech. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Another point for the prequel trilogy. You see, Ivan. See oh, the fast-paced, high-octane prequel trilogy. <laughs> yes, that's why that they I'm... had Jar Jar Binks yeah, to speak you know, really, really quick <laughs> for the comedy and the racism. So, okay, Aslan says, apart from nostalgia, I think the direction, the pace and storyline, there it is, uh, do play a role when it comes to aging. I think I can still accept Star Wars because they're different characters. But I just didn't like the latest Indiana Jones. That was a bad aging and a sad one at that. Oh, I didn't watch the latest Indiana Jones, so I, I can't wait on this. I'm interested to know what you guys think, though. You know, every time someone mentions the new Indiana Jones, I go straight back to a Crystal Skull and I completely ignore I, this ignore latest one. the one that came out because I've forgotten that there was such a thing. I Okay, I think we spoke about this when we reviewed it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't mind it. I think that there's something um, in the same way as we're going to review Martin Scorsese's... Um, Killers of the Flower Moon next week. There's something to be said about watching the sort of last holdouts of a golden age of Hollywood coming to the big screen. And so I think indie, ironically, worked for me on a nostalgic level. I don't know if it worked in every way, um, but on a nostalgic level, it, it still did function. Uh, but I want to go back to direction, pace and storyline because... I don't think actually people are wrong to say that Star Wars is harder to watch because they speak weird and the edits are strange and the overall pace of the movies are slower. I do think that audience sensibilities change. And and we talk about this every time we have to review, uh, not have to, but every time we throw back to a movie that is genuinely old, uh, we talk about this, right? That they speak differently, that it mm. takes us like a good 10 minutes to to get used to how things are going to go. And also you realise that scenes went on for super long, that sentences that people spoke on screen were super long. And it is, it is a, you need to retune your brain a little bit. And I think it's okay. Um, I think if, I think if you're just the kind of person who cannot watch these kinds of movies anymore, well, it's unfortunate because it means you'll miss out on a lot of good stuff. But it's okay. I, I don't know that that necessarily is an indication that the movie itself isn't for today. I think it just means that only certain kinds of viewers would appreciate it. I also think it depends if you find those things charming or not. Like I think all three mm. of us find those things very charming, right? Like there's a there's a nostalgia there even though they were from way before our time. Um, and we find those movies like um, just warm and fuzzy and nice to watch again. I know 
I know a lot of people who just cannot stand that stuff. They're like, this movie is so boring and so old and, and the film looks weird. And like, it has no colour. <laughs> and has no colour. <laughs> and which which I can also understand, like, you know, putting a black and white movie, if, if that's what you're looking for, I can completely understand. Before we get to more messages, again, keep those thoughts coming. We are talking today about ageing, um, which I, I I feel like every time I say it, like I, I see tens of tens of people <laughs> switching <laughs> off like, no. Um, but we are trying to talk about whether things have aged well or poorly um, and asking you for some examples of both. Um, what is something that came out a little while ago or however long ago that you think has either aged in a great way or in a terrible way? Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. I'm going to play a clip. And then we're going to discuss it because I think this one's kind of uh, one of those that cuts both ways. Here is a little bit of AI. They hate us, you know. The humans, they'll stop at nothing. My mommy doesn't hate me because I'm special and unique because there's never been anyone like me before, ever. Mommy loves Martin because he is real and when I am real, Mommy's going to read to me and tuck me in my bed and sing to me and listen to what I say and she will cuddle with me and tell me every day a hundred times a day that she loves me. She loves what you do for her. As my customers love what it is I do for them. But she does not love you, David. She cannot love you. You are neither flesh nor blood. You are not a dog or a cat or a canary. You were designed and built specific like the rest of us. And you are alone now only because they tired of you or replaced you with a younger model or were displeased with something you said or broke. They made us too smart, too quick and too many. We are suffering for the mistakes they made because when the end comes, all that will be left is us. That's why they hate us. So that was a bit of a uh, Kubrick Spielberg kind of unfortunate collaboration, artificial intelligence. And this one's interesting because this film, when it first came out, was reviled. I I think nobody Mm. enjoyed it. It was slow and people just found it really maudlin and and for a variety of reasons not enjoyable i've always liked it um, but i watched it young Um, but i recognize that this is one of those where people didn't like it at first and over the years it's now is it no spielberg can be a cult classic um but it's seen as a very good movie dare i say i also actually enjoyed it back when it came out uh and was very confused that it got such bad reviews, um, and then and then I kind of thought, okay, maybe I missed, maybe I I'm the silly one, and then I didn't talk about it at all because everyone hated it so much. And Never fear, Sharmila, we must. Speak. I know, right? I have now found my voice, and I shall not shut up. Um, actually, even cutting that clip made me think about how ahead of its time uh, the movie seems. Right? I think it has a lot to do with. Uh, it is a weird mishmash of styles, I will say, because the Kubrickness of it and the Spielbergness of it kind of gives it this odd tone. And I think everyone was like, oh, you know, Spielberg shouldn't have taken over a Stanley Kubrick project. It was never going to work. So there's a lot of that going on. I think the Haley Joel Osment and everyone sort of like dubbing him this like next big thing in cinema also added this layer of baggage to the movie. I think though it's aged so well, like rewatching it. um, I think I watched it a couple of years ago and it feels like it's a movie that could be made today. 
I mean, for me personally, this movie is the perfect example of a movie aging with you as someone in the audience. Um, mm. I didn't like this movie at all mm. when it came out. I, I, I'm one of those people who found it like extremely slow and dry and boring. Uh, maybe I watched it way too young, also I'm not so sure. But I've I've rewatched it a couple of times since. Um, once like halfway through, and then I found it extremely interesting. And I think the more like especially now that we talk about AI and artificial intelligence evolving to such a point that we are talking to it like it's a person, like it has a personality. This movie gets better and better because it was addressing those things. I mean, they are robots and cyborgs in the movie, but it's that whole thing of can we see AI as something other than a machine, which is huge right i mean it, it i don't know if people found it poignant when it came out but it's super poignant if you watch it now i love it um i mm. find it moving every single time i also want to talk about how it looks because mm. i think that this is a problem with future set movies right um especially ones from ages ago where they're basically wearing tinfoil and and you're supposed to believe that this is how people are going to dress and i i think Blade Runner is 1982, right? Um, and then this one, was it uh, 1999 or 2000? 2001. Yeah. 2001. So, oh, what a great year for a Kubrick know, right? movie to yeah. come out. Um, but yeah, so it's it's odd because actually, um, maybe it's a credit to Blade Runner that AI looks as good as Blade Runner. They look like they could be set in very similar worlds. Um, everything is soft focused. There's a certain quality to the lighting. There's a certain quality to the way people look and speak. And it's one that you can watch today um, looking at their... Okay, I'm looking... Maybe the inner workings of the robotics is not exactly the most cutting edge, but the film overall in terms of its world building feels very relevant. And, and that's in the look as much as it is in the writing. I didn't want to bash the creator yet again, but actually it's the most recent example that I can use. No, no, because I, I immediately compared the way uh, Gigolo Joe and David look in AI and the way they interact. Because the similarity, of course, is that in creator as well, real actors are playing um, AI um, or, or, you know, I can't I can't remember what they call them in the creator. But Not there's replicants. so much. What are no. they called? I can't remember Sim candidates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something. yeah, something like that. Anyway, the one that Ken Watanabe was. Um, and and they're so much more interesting in AI. Uh, sorry. So yeah, in AI, because the way they look, the way they behave, there's that uncanny, qual uh, uncanny valley quality without needing to use tech uh, to make them look that way. There, there's something very interesting about the way the movie looks. Also, it's that whole thing of a movie being largely CGI, but also largely actual set pieces and yeah. tactile mm. and, and building like, you know, uh, actually building things like physically. Right. Um, I think those movies will age better and better as people use stuff like the volume and there's so much CGI and you can tell. Then when you go back and you watch those movies, even if you don't like the movie, just the way it looks like that, that the Spielbergness of the whole thing is, is enough to keep you watching. Back to the messages, we've got Lee Jun who says movies that have not aged well, Gone with the Wind for its portrayal of black people. Uh, the King and I, no wonder our northern neighbours were scandalised when it was hinted that King Mongkut was having an affair with a Westerner. Any of the Westerns uh, that have the usual trope of cowboy good, Indian bad, and uh, I think very much in the same vein, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, movies which have aged well, Matrix, it seems to reflect our current life too well, Gattaca, still a compelling watch after many years, Sneakers, um, still 
still loving it after two decades, and Gaslight from 1944. Um, children's shows which have not aged well, Lady and the Tramp, uh, the two Siamese, Siamese cats, Sai and Am, um, stereotyping East Asians, and Dumbo, with the crows actually being stereotypes of Black Americans, but Disney chose to acknowledge this rather than sweep it under the rug. That's a really interesting list, Lee Jun, um, partly because I would still any day watch King and I and Indiana Jones Temple of Doom despite so that so I'm not as bothered by the by the misrepresentation of King Mongkut maybe um, however how do we feel about Yul Brenner playing a Siam King that one <laughs> is like yeah I don't know because again would I want someone else to do the etc cetera, etc cetera? I don't think so it's so you know this is a very tough question because I grew up with yeah I grew up with King and I and I grew mm. up with Yul Brenner and I, I don't know. You know, it's the representation thing, right? Because yeah. he was already a huge star. And I think when you watch the film, even as a child, you recognize that you're watching a star because the charisma yes. is crazy. Mm, like, like yeah. it really leaps off the screen. He is not Thai, though. No. He's, nope, nope. Doesn't nope. look Thai. Doesn't, yeah, no. <laughs> but need to sell the poster, lah, you know? Mm, you yeah. need to sell seats in the cinema. And and Temple of Doom is interesting again because I mean people like Ki Hui Kwan are still tremendously proud of it. Um, yeah. Amrish Puri was always thrilled to have been a part of it. When I rewatch, do I cringe a bit? Yes. But when I was a kid, did I think it was amazing to see that scene of him in that temple? Yes. So actually, I don't know how to contend with these kind of movies. Is it anyone's favorite um, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom? It's mine. Yeah, it's fine. It, it's I, kind of. I, I think it's the most fast-paced and it has the most yeah. action. And it was my first Indiana Jones, so Same. for that reason, I will always yeah. have a soft spot. Same, but you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, there it is. Let's try and alternate good. Oh, Andrew says Indiana Jones classic action adventure, which I think is a vote for having aged well. Which I'm glad to hear because right now, um, Indiana Jones, aside from. Us, weirdly, is getting shredded. Um, JD says, as for a good one, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Mm. Nice pick. Yeah. I actually think that one had... Actually, that's a really good suggestion because 80s stuff don't age very well. But actually, Ferris Bueller's aged really well. Because it's not about the 80s, right? Yeah. No. And they are not... They don't do the normal... Even the gender stuff is actually very acceptable by today's standards. Also, it's about nothing, just like yes. Seinfeld. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, similarly, like, who wants to watch a bunch of miscreant teenagers just do very harmless things? Like, yeah. look at art. <laughs> look at art. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fine. Also, also, I think it comes... It, it works maybe because it's also out of a love of nothingness and Chicago. So yeah. the mm. way it's shot is really, really cinematic and it will always stay beautiful. It, it has an age for that reason because it's not that 80s. Is that fair to say? It doesn't feel very 80s to me. No, you're right. It's it's not very 80s, actually. It's timeless, but it also should never be remade. Yes. Like, that's the that's the logic. Oh, it must never be remade. Yeah. I, yeah. I never want to see anyone playing Ferris. No. Aside it it from couldn't Matthew be Roger. also, la, because people would just like find his phone. And they know that he's yeah. not at school. Yeah. No, but knowing him, he would do something. No, no, no. We, we must not speculate. The point is we don't want it. We reject it. Keep those thoughts coming. What is something that has aged either very, very well or very, very poorly? Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Our next clip. Okay, I'm going to clarify. We have clipped Jurassic Park many, many, many times over. This time, though, 
it's you're going to be hearing something from Jurassic World. And there's a reason for that. The reason being, like, if you watch Jurassic Park, it has not aged. Like, the, the effects, the whatever CGI they use, the practical effects. When will a glass and a ripple ever age? Mm. Ever age. Never. Ever mm-hmm. age. The, the T-Rex in that movie still looks like an actual T-Rex. Like, you cannot tell. However they did it, it still looks like an actual T-Rex. Jurassic World is not a bad movie, but the, the CGI is already janky, and it came out, like, less than 10 years ago. 2015, if not mistaken. And, and you can tell the Velociraptors are CG. Like, they move CG, they're fluid... Um, there's nothing realistic. I mean, I wouldn't say nothing realistic. You can tell that they're not real. We've talked about this before in relation to Marvel too. Yeah. The the older Marvels yes. have really started to age. And I think you can tell when people have over-relied on, on CG to make a point. Um, so yes, keep those messages coming and let's enjoy a bit of Jurassic World. Hey! Okay. Eyes on me. Blue! Blue! Watch it! Charlie, do- hey! Don't give me that sh- Delta! Lock it up! We're moving! Oh! Hey, that's good. That is damn good. Echo, there you go! Delta! Blue? This one's for you. Building Fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9. Vivian, I have a business proposition for you. What do you want? I'm going to be in town until Sunday. I'd like you to spend the week with me. Really? Yes. Yes, I'd like to hire you as an employee. Would you consider spending the week with me? (laughs) I will pay you to be at my beck and call. Look, I'd love to be your beck-and-call girl, but um, you're a rich, good-looking guy. You could get a million girls free. I want a professional. Don't need any romantic hassles this week. If you're talking 24 hours a day, it's going to cost you. Oh, yes, of course. All right, here we go. Give me a ballpark figure. How much? Six full nights, days to 4,000. Six nights at 300 is 1,800. You want days, too? 2,000. 3,000. Done. Holy shit! <laughs> Vivian. Vivian, is that a yes? Yes. <laughs> yes. Any questions? Can I call you Eddie? Not if you expect me to answer. I would have stayed for 2,000. I would have paid four. BFM 89.9, it's 8.40 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. Together we're talking about how things have aged, uh, whether badly or really well, and asking you for some of your takes. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. So I've been saving the, ro- the rom-com discussion. We, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but romantic comedies at their core, I love them so much. Many of them have deeply problematic premises and pretty woman which i love i I have to clarify i really love um is one of those i rewatched it recently and i was um simultaneously still so charmed and happy and also a little bit squicked there's no other word for it squicked 
I feel like you did this despite me, Lynn, because you know, you know that I've resolutely not rewatched Pretty Woman okay. so that my Pretty Woman bubble would remain. Yes. And and then I chose the bathtub scene so that you can hear exactly yes. how gross the That's premise right. is. I feel like this was a pointed attempt at making me join you in your cynical corner and it's almost working. No, I get it. I mean, even in theory, right? And that's the reason why I refuse to rewatch it because like, even if I think about it, I'm like, okay, how was this plot acceptable? Um, but, but like, I still think that they're so charming. Again, for me, Pretty Woman probably falls in the basket of can enjoy, but must talk about. So th- uh, this one's a bit <laughs> weird, right? Um, because we talk about movies aging, but then if we're being honest, uh, stuff like this, or movies like this, and books like this, trashy novels, still sell extremely well. And they sell for, for very specific and wide-ranging reasons. So I don't know if those things have actually aged or rom-coms just don't have a place in like the cinema schedule anymore. Because I, I'm, I'm thinking that if they still, if not for superhero movies and big blockbusters, if they made rom-coms like that today, they would still work. Well, partly also they're not getting the stars, right? You need yes. stars. In, yeah. in, in, nobody wants to watch, I'm really sorry, um, but short of like something magical like a once, for example, not everybody wants to watch a bunch of plebs fall in love. Like yeah. you can look around, your family members also fall in love. You, you know, you, you need <laughs> like the stars um, and, and that's the stuff that you want to see. And that's, I think, part of it that they're not making them and then they're not booking stars and then they're not mm. making it to the cinema. So it's all like like part of a longer continuum. Shouldn't Chris Evans and Anna de Armas just have been in a rom-com? How lovely would that have been? How dare instead, you? Ghosted inst- was tremendous. Instead, we got, we got... You know, I forgot the name of that movie and I was thinking it was called Grey, but it didn't make sense. You're thinking of Grey Man. And Grey then I'm Man. thinking of Grey Man, yes. No, and instead we got that rubbish movie because they think that's all people want to watch. Um I actually deeply think that a, a rom-com could be made, updated with today's values. But I also think that the whole relationship genre is particularly prone to aging because it reflects the norms of relationships in that era, right? Or in that time. And they're ever-changing. Even 10, 15 years ago, things like, um, actually the Ted Mosby example and how, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, Ted Mosby was the nice guy. And then in, in today's world, he's kind of like a red flag. See, I, see, I don't know, you know, because you see stuff that comes out on Netflix, uh, including like shows and movies. And they're like deeply problematic, but also very, very popular. So I don't know if it's a, a modern values thing. Or again, or people just don't watch the, the genre anymore. And I think the, the biggest problem is that people confuse the two like fiction and real life. Mm. And I think when you can watch it as just fiction, then they just, they, they work. Like, you know, like stuff like Twilight, if you look at Twilight, has all those problematic things. But they are like extremely, extremely popular till this day. I think people still watch the genre. The question is whether mm. people pay for tickets to watch the genre. Mm. And, and that's like a, a whole separate thing. Elaine, though, is bringing up other rom-coms. Firstly, saying uh, Frasier, it's aged well, so funny still. Um, Notting Hill, also still good. Music and lyrics, still fun. Notting Hill is actually still really cool. Notting yeah. Hill is tremendous. Yeah, mm-hmm. like nothing about it is problematic. Everything about it is nearly perfect. So rewatchable. <laughs> I still cry every single time she enters the bookshop. I want to yeah. stop it, but it happens. It's like a, I don't know, it's a strange bodily reaction. Also the perfect uh, uh, flight movie. Yes. Mm. Oh, 
Yes, mm. so I'm I'm glad you brought up flight movie because I rewatched You've Got Mail in a flight recently. Did you cry? I did, but You've Got Mail doesn't age super well when you think about the dynamics, lah. The whole like, oh, so you were lying to her the whole time, and then later on, basically your shop just like edged her out, but you're like getting together anyway. Um, yeah, that I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this Joe, but Shop Girl should have really done better. See, trashy novel. <laughs> it's, a, it's a trashy novel I'm it's telling a, you and you know um, it's a trashy novel I love You've Got Mail by the way love I yeah. love um, You've yeah, Got yeah. Mail but it's a trashy novel elevated by Tom Hanks because mm-hmm. yeah. Tom Hanks is hard to find creepy you know what I mean you gotta like give him a weird nondescript accent and make him look like a frog and then everyone's like oh creepy <laughs> but before that you know it's just really yeah, he's like stalking her in a store and nobody thinks he's creepy Ah, but if he looked like the the Colonel or the captain he or whatever. He has to exploit Elvis. Yes. For you to think he's creepy. And then everyone's like, oh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patricia says, did the sound of music age well? Oh, mm. I think so. I think Although that's did. an interesting yeah. question. I think it really did. Uh, it's also a piece of historical fiction. Yes. So it's a little bit difficult to distinguish from its time. It's like really closely tied to it. I mean, I've seen people complain about things, but I think those people are joyless. I think sound I mean, of music has aged well. Look, nobody's saying if you made a movie set today of a 45-year-old widower marrying a 19-year-old nun, that it would Former maybe... Former nun. Former <laughs> nun, sorry. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know whether people would think that was acceptable today. But again, this is set in a very specific era. It's based on a real story. Other than that, actually, it's aged beautifully. Madhav is asking, has anyone brought up the Cosby show yet? No, um, you are the first. Followed by Ben Kingsley playing Gandhi. I'm conflicted whether that movie aged well or not. Uh, Ben Kingsley came back and played another Indian character very recently. Um, What's uh, the, the, the Henry Sugar? Wes oh Anderson. yeah, that's yes, right. yeah, in yes, Henry yes, Sugar. Yes. Yeah. He did, right? Well, actually, not just in Henry Sugar, but in Poison as well, the the fourth film in the anthology, and he's great in both. Ah, so was that the problem with Gandhi? I mean, that's the is it a representation? Yeah, yeah, basically, thing? It, it's yeah. A, it's an argument for it. Um, but I, okay, I think if we start the Gandhi conversation, we're going to be here all night. I will say that Sharad Kutan, who has been trying to make his way onto this show for some time now, <laughs> um, is big on Ben Kingsley and Gandhi, if that has any weightage with anybody. Cosby, um, Cosby is unwatchable now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cosby is a great example of how, like I would say Cosby is worse than a Woody Allen movie. Uh, 70s like, I show just, is yeah. also. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Actually, 70s show, I used to really enjoy that show. Now I cannot, which is a pity because actually Eric's not the problem. Eric's great. Hyde. Topher Grace. Hyde is the problem. Yeah, Hyde, Hyde is the problem. Is the problem. Yeah. yeah. Can, can I just say, like, one last thing about the Gandhi discourse. <laughs> if you're going to do, if you're going to pull a stunt like that, get Ben Kingsley. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's Ben Kingsley. And so. then justified by saying he's a quarter Indian. Sure. He is. He was so, fantastic. Uh, yeah. This is the, the, okay. Yo, Brenner doesn't even have the quarter, but no. <laughs> he is Mongol. <laughs> but you know, that's like a real stretch. But this is the Yul Brenner argument that yeah. you get a good actor with tremendous charisma, you put them in the role, and then it's like that, lah. Well, mm. the other argument is that, well, unlike it today, these movies were made in a particular part of the world by a particular filmmaking industry. Did they, you know, would could they have sold a movie um, that cast a person that's not from there? And and I'm not saying they shouldn't have tried. I'm just saying 
it was from a different time. We we have to blitz through the messages because there are still so many. Liana says, Star Wars is a good example of old movies aging well because it wasn't a great movie, but it laid a good foundation for future films. Whoa. Not a great movie. Okay. She's still making a very complimentary point. Okay, please cool it. It's a very um, quick reaction. Yeah. Liana goes on to say, when not being interrupted by an Arvin who's quite triggered, um, when it came out, the story felt ambiguous. Why was Anakin so annoying and emo in Star Wars 2 and 3? He was so full of hope in 1. What happened in between? Filmmakers had this thing where they wanted the positive character in movie 1 to be broken in movie 2. They wanted the audience to keep guessing until the next movie and at the end he got more angry why it was only answered in the books and animation series and eventually when they have the budget um things like ahsoka then as fans who followed all this forgave hayden's portrayal there was a reason but it was answered a decade later um liana goes on to say because i do think we have to move on from star wars (laughs) uh things that have aged well Rain Man, Starship Troopers, Fern Gully, Jurassic Park, Love, all the sequels, No, Harry Potter, Dude, Where's My Car? It's a goofball film, uh, Twister, Miss Congeniality, interesting, Pitch Perfect, ah. and Jumanji. I'm so intrigued by Rain Man and Miss Congeniality, mostly because I rewatched Miss Congeniality recently and some of the jokes for me really felt out of touch. Rain Man, I'm torn because I think the performances are so fine. I'm just surprised that someone said Fern Gully. Yeah. Like, I haven't heard Fern Gully in like yes. decades, yes. literally decades. I love, love, love that movie. Miss Congeniality is a good example of um, the charismatic performance carrying a lot. Yes. Because Sandra mm. Bullock in that is still really, really funny and sweet in the same way that Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman is just excellent. And, and it's hard to debate those things mm-hmm. even as the movie starts to age. Munif says, The Jurassic franchise used to be an escape from the real world, a head-first dive into a wondrous world of adventure. Suddenly... I'm hoping I'm getting the tone right, Munif. Suddenly, the powers that be thought it would be a great idea to let issues from real life bleed into the beloved escape, completely misunderstanding what made these movies great in the first place. A bunch of grasshoppers to preach about global famine. Get out of here with that. The franchise (laughs) aged poorly indeed, not just visually, but also in spirit, sadness. I'm glad I'm not the only one who will forever not forgive the locusts nonsense. Really. You had dinosaurs and you made us think about locusts for three quarters of the movie. It's a terrible decision. I I will still watch that movie again and again. Me too, me too. Yeah, Yeah, you know, because why not? Why not? But... Sam Neill and Lauren ducking locusts. I know. It's it's just not the same. Uh, Fez says, I think Liam Neeson's Taken 1, 2 and 3 are really good movies and aged very well for a story about the world's worst dad. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think there's nothing there to not age well. There's not a lot in Taken to begin with. Yeah, it's aged Teflon. He is a worse (laughs) husband, right? He's like a worse former husband than he is a worse dad. I would just say that, you know. Um, Vilvarajan says... Shrek and Toy Story, the Toy Story series are movies that have aged very well. Movies that have aged poorly for me are Batman and Robin and the American Pie series. Oh, um, agreed on um, agreed on Shrek and Toy Stories. I don't know if you heard our throwback to the first American Pie because Arvin and I were pleasantly surprised at how some things, at least, were not as bad as we thought. Yeah. I think um, 
I I didn't think that American Pie had aged poorly to begin with. Um, I mean, I I knew, but it would not be the silly. others. The first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. No, no, no. Once they start leaning really heavily, I don't think Stifler was ever meant to be a main character. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, yes. and, and once you do that, it starts to get a little weird. Aslan says, "I might the I might be the only one out there, but I found Solaris, the George Clooney one, uh, as watchable and rewatchable every time I watch it. It's futuristic, but the focus wasn't so much on sci-fi. I think it's aged well, even though it was reviled, perhaps because." it's a mystery type movie or maybe because you still don't recover from this type of film I, I haven't watched Solaris but actually Legion's point earlier about Matrix and Gattaca seems similar to this in that I feel like really good sci-fi stands the test of time really well hmm, I, I also haven't watched haven't seen that movie but it seems like a recommendation now yeah, maybe yeah, we yeah. shall uh, Lauren says I like the mention of Steven Spielberg some of his movies are great even today which is why he's known for his craft and the greatest filmmaker of our time unfortunately his most recent films are not well accepted why? two question marks uh, I, I'd like to think of Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious as an aged wine too though it's supposed to be set in the past I would revisit this film for nostalgia and the quality of the script uh, Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love uh, is also another entry as a timeless classic that has aged well they, like fine wine Quentin Tarantino is aged Teflon right no white director should be able to get away with the stuff that he has done and the language that he has used but it, he does again and again Again, it's because it's it's because it's the Quentin verse, the Tarantino verse, Quentin verse. It's the Tarantino verse. It's not even our world. Yeah, true. Will all his movies age equally well? I'm not sure. Meaning, mm. we're, we're now at a point where we can assess Pulp Fiction, for example, mm. because enough time has passed that you can look back on it. Um, Inglorious also is 2000, I want to say eight, um, yeah. something like that. So it's it's enough time. Um, the more recent ones, though, I'm not sure whether they're going to age in the same way. I'm not making a judgment. I'm, I'm actually just curious because it's it's still early. You know, he's still working. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Hateful Eight, for instance, yeah, I'm not sure. That's yeah. right. Um, mm. But I think Once Upon a Time um, is going to grow over time. I think so too. Think, I think so too. Ah. Yeah, same. Um, Eugene says, Four Weddings and a Funeral still love the subtle jokes, the sarcasm and the camera work. Agreed. Four mm-hmm. Weddings is lovely. Yep. By the way, there's something to be said about camera work aging and not aging. Um, I, I mean this in a very particular way because, you know, um, like the dolly shots or, or the ways mm-hmm. in which for a period of time, it feels like everybody is using those shots, but then they come from one particular master. I, I think it's just interesting to see how you can age benchmark um, everything. You can age benchmark films, you can age benchmark um, single camera shows or multiple camera shows based on the shots that they like to do. I think it's also because certain shots were only possible once certain types of cameras were invented, right? And so you can see the eras in which some things were very difficult to execute. And then after a certain period, suddenly everyone was doing them because suddenly you didn't have to roll a camera in anymore. You could just zoom. Um, And so there were like a thousand shots like that in one movie. I mean, you get a zoom shot on a car and then the car turns into a transformer. You know, it's Michael Bay, (laughs) mid-2000s. Easily dateable. Like, yes, Michael Bay. Um, And Iron taking a film nerd point and turning it into Michael Bay. <laughs> no, but I'll add on to that and say that now people can't stop doing drone shots. Oh, yeah, for the same true. reason. Same, because, yeah, yeah, reason. Yeah. It's just possible now. Um, Su Yang says, most of the stuff has been covered, but has anyone brought up the old James Bond films yet? I'll tell us that we have one minute. Huh? Just, just telling everyone. Um, I feel some of those behaviours haven't aged well. Um, and okay, hear me out. I enjoyed Godzilla 1998 after re-watching it recently. Much more memorable than the last two Hollywood Godzilla films. 
they haven't aged well. But I kind of feel like the series like makes fun of itself, so it's kind of okay. I love all Godzilla movies, so oh, none, none. I was talking about James Bond for sure. <laughs> I was talking about all Godzillas. Godzilla is Godzilla. Um, you can't yeah. really go wrong. At some point, he or she uh, is going mm. to be stamping around the city and that's what it is. James Bond, we've done a whole supercut, right? Um, I don't think anyone will argue that the behavior has aged well. But somehow Bond is Bond, lah. Yeah. 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 It just is he's what it is. He's off the era he's from. I mean, Daniel Craig's Bond has aged the best, I think. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah, there's still bits. Mm. Okay, we... Um, Suyang, we have a supercut. Um, and today's supercut has ended because we are running out of time. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Popcorn Culture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.